Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Today with Rabbi Shaul David Yudelman, who is the Israeli co-director of Roots, a local initiative of Palestinians and Israelis working together in the heart of the conflict. Raised in Seattle, Washington, Rabbi uh, Shaul has lived in Israel since 2000. Thank you for taking time today and tonight for you. Pleasure. It's been a busy day, but uh, good to end it here. Uh, so, um, uh, just to start, what, what is Roots doing now? You know, right now, you know, in the midst of Corona and annexation and everything else right now, it's, a, it's an interesting question because it's definitely not the, the regularly scheduled programming. Um, but I'd say in general, Roots is doing three things. And it starts with uh, the people-to-people work. Um, but I think we definitely stem from this, you know, you know, learning about identity, understanding, presenting your identity, understanding other identity is important, critical. But the Ikar is to go from that learning to Maaseh, from the meeting to the action. So Roots also, in addition to a long, a lot of, from, from kids programming to re- local religious leaders to all kinds of adult programming, meeting, and maybe it's clear for people listening out abroad, there, there's no, uh, I was joking, there's no intramural soccer leagues between Israeli and Palestinian towns out here. Not something happens. Um, so those meetings are, are charged. It's, for many people, it's oftentimes the first time they've really sat in, a, in an open way where they can feel free to speak what's really means for them, for their own identity, what the others means to them and their identity. Um, but the question then, of course, is how do we make change? Um, you know, people always want to ask. The first question when people finish a Roots presentation is, well, what do you think is the solution to the conflict? Um, and I think right now we need climate change. You know, the, there's so much work, internal work in Israeli and Palestinian sides and joint work too, um, in order to make that change. So it starts with that meeting, I think, coming to terms with both people's belonging and, and place in this land, which obviously from a religious perspective is not a simple path from either side. Um, but then moving into so ad- advocacy, solidarity, that aspect of work of roots is also very important. If it's responding to violence and visiting people who are, who are wounded, if it's... Um, I think both sides getting involved and in trying to make this address the systemic things that are also play here. But then maybe what's ended up happening at Roots is by bringing these two voices from the polar sides, religious Zionist Jews who believe in our connection, Yudava Shamon and the Jewish story eternal, and Palestinians who staring is their Palestinian national struggle to the nth level. Putting those things face to face generates a very new kind of discourse. Um, and I think a lot of us are looking for new ways forward out of the Oslo quagmire at this point. You know, from the alphabet soup of ABC on the ground, which is just stuck to the water agreements that were signed in 1991 and haven't moved since, even though, and, and what's really a new horizon that can go a little bit deeper, I think Oslo was, uh, was in a sense, a shallow attempt at peacemaking. And uh, I think we really need something that's going to touch on both sides' identities and move a reconciliation process, not just a ceasefire line. And I agree that's audacious to talk about at this point in the conflict, but I think that's where I uh, yeah. take my lead from Rav Menachem there that uh, you can't give up this, that search. And that's, that's 
even after the ceasefire is called, we're still living intertwined together. So that work of, of generating a new discourse, reconciliation work is also a deep part of what I think we're trying to do. And that's in that way we're joining with a lot of others, Israelis and Palestinians and Jews and Muslims people around the world, frustrated with where things are and how can it go forward somewhere. So speaking of Rabbi Menachem Froman, whose uh, picture's right behind you, um, and I very much see you continuing uh, his work. How do you think of his legacy? Like, um, what, a lot of, what's the Torah of, of Rabbi Nachman Froman on this case? In, in this case, um, that, you know what I mean. I mean, what like what is? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, as a as a Talmud, it's a it's a hard it's a big question to think to step into. But um, one is not be afraid. You know, he was a person who had a level of emunah of trying to serve Hashem in the most honest existential way that I think broke through a lot of the things that I I'm normally afraid to do, or afraid to think, or afraid to say. Um, um, that side of things. I think also, and I say this in a way that can come out sh maybe cheap, but I think a lot of us, we have our chasidut, our inner world of, of, of Torah, but it comes to politics, politics is politics. And you don't, you don't do that, you don't play those games over here. And uh, Rabbi Menachem in that way was really, was letting Torah guide him all the way. And uh, you know, if, if the Zohar talks about the connection to the Sitra Achra, you know, the, 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 the forces of death are part of this world, you can easily translate it into all kinds of, of, of things that are really going on in the, in the real world and, and take a step from there if maybe how, how, how that happens. And that's also something that's inspiring. You know, he was constantly with a safer everywhere he went. He was constantly seeking Hashem. And um, I think, you know, I think in the, in the Anglo world, the, 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 the media coverage he's gotten is about the peace work. But the level of, a, of just a person of emunah, of stopping and of a heart, of caring for Am Yisrael and caring for the world, you know, was very powerful. And, uh, after he was Nifter, a friend of mine, my brother asked me, you know, what, what do you have to say? And, I, and um, he, he was the most Jewish human I've ever met. And he's the most human Jew. Mm. And to walk that side of the narrow bridge of universality and, and, and particularism and hold them both at, at, at all odds was, was really... So that's... Know, which are big things to step into, but uh, I think that I think those I think those are very core challenges for Judaism. That he was looking face on and living in a very a lot of integrity towards them. Um, I, I really appreciate that framework because I see in the diaspora so many Jews struggling with particularism. They don't want to publicly identify. It's like being something makes them less human. And then I see the opposite strand. Obviously, those who are so ethnocentric that they can't even access the human universalistic experience. So I, I love the way you frame that. Let me ask you, because I mean, this is a 20 hour answer, but just <laughs> briefly, like, how do you think of your own personal evolution? Um, you know, you mentioned making Aliyah 20 years ago, but how, what's been your trajectory here in your thinking? Um, I mean, it's been a fun, exciting ride. Um, you know, I, I grew up, my, fam my family's South African, we moved to the US. I grew up in conservative synagogue, you know, went public high school. Um, and ended up coming to Israel in 2000 and, and didn't know what was waiting for me here in terms of the richness of Judaism. And, uh, and uh, I, this week we gave a, a conversation about uh, reflecting on Roots' work with the, the, the racial struggle and racial, you know, in, in, in racial justice struggle in America. And I was reflecting, I remember when I first came back to the U.S. after being in Israel and um, having this sense of uncovering these riches of, of Jewish tradition. So dive head on into that and yeshiva and learning. It was also the heart of the second intifada. Um, and that was definitely a big framing of, you know, the nice things you can see from Seattle, you know, a piece blew up in our faces. And, and that, that, I always say the emotional aspect of the conflict was much more the determinant of my political views. And uh, 
So that took me to where I took, I think, a lot of Israeli society by, by, the, by 2008, 2009. There's no partner. It's to be strong and hold on. The whole world denies our claims. And, um, and I'd say in some ways there, and that my own kind of ethno-nationalism, that, that kind of line of things, the thing, the whole world's against us. They can't see that Jews are back in Judea, the only place in the world where my family's name is on the same mountains I'm living on, and the world says we have no place here. Um, and it's easy to understand, especially with the rhetoric against that in the world, to buckle down and, and hold that truth. And, and here was Rabbi Menachem. You know, after Bush Katif, um, it was my sense that the, the, the thing we're just going to go conquer every hilltop and somehow we're going to bring about redemption is like, if Am Yisrael's not with us, there's no, there's no moving forward on a, on a simple Rambam halachic level. Um, but more than that, you know, finding the people who are really looking for the, the progression, evolution of a Judaism that can speak to, to Tel Aviv and, and, and to New York and, and out there, and also to move forward. And Rabbi Nachman is really incredibly inspiring in that. And yeah. Before I get to Israel-Palestine, so that level of the inner Jewish evolution, that's what I felt deeply. And, um, and then in 2010, we got married, I got married and we moved back out to the Gush, the Batayim. And... Um, I'm very much a locally focused person. I lived in Yushalayim for four years. There's some Yushalayim issues. And moving out there's like, already then things were changing. The, the price tag attacks were coming much stronger then. And a lot of rabbinic leadership was kind of putting their head in the sand saying, this is, this is uh, leftist provocateurs or Arabs. And I was like, no, it's not. I, I, I know some of the kids in my neighborhood. And so that's kind of what got me into this work of meeting the other side and also recognizing how much some of our inner Jewish conversation is caught up in this. Um, and from there, it was really the meeting with Palestinian voices and, and finding partners there where I didn't believe there really were partners, didn't want to believe there were partners. Who wants to have to make compromise on our homeland? Yeah. Um, and that question of partnership and trust, could it be, and, and take the audacious thing and quit, start praying for that and, and working for that in a sense, um, even though it's, it's in some ways it seems against all odds. But I'd say from then, it was the personal levels and the personal acts and, and the questions of scalability now is in the questions of, you know, how do we move forward here? Um, but recognizing we have to, yeah, on our own side within this conflict is important. Yeah, so um, what needs to be done in the, uh, on, on the Jewish side, the Israeli diaspora, the Israeli-Jewish diaspora relationship? I know you, you've lived there for 20 years, but you also travel here and speak here and the like, and you have a lot of relationships. And it feels to me like we're constantly at a, um, at a breaking point where um, liberal Jewish America feels increasingly alienated and resentful towards the Israeli yeah. enterprise. And um, I wonder how you, see, how you see that work. It's really challenging because, you know, I say uh, experience teaches wisdom, I think Bob Marley once said, and there's just such a break, the, the experience of living here, the experience of living in the States, as a Jew is, is entirely different. It's, it's unimaginably different, I think. And, uh, and obviously we judge, we project what we know about what things mean here to how, what the experience is there. And it's so, it's so different. And uh, I remember there's a reporter, an Jewish reporter who came to, to Jerusalem for a few years ago. And when he left, he wrote an article kind of reflecting what happened to him. And he was from the Northeast, kind of a very liberal progressive, a lot of, you know, very critical of Israel and the occupation. Some, on the same hand, also really felt, you know, the truth of the Israeli story. And he said, until that day happened when there was a stabbing attack in Jerusalem and my wife was on the other side of town doing shopping, and I realized she was in the neighborhood where it happened, I didn't understand what it means. And his political views shifted dramatically from that limited experience. And that, I think there's a big generational shift from the generation that felt 
existential threat or fear over the Jewish story to a generation that really can't imagine that. It's, it's really only seen as, you know, as, as, as Goliath, you know, as the power. That's a really deep challenge for, um, for those two experiences. I think that's a big part of it. Um, definitely, you know, holding on to nationalism is very passe. <laughs> it's liberal progressive. It's like, it's the, about the worst word you can have. And here we are, the Jew, this anachronism of living out this tribal legacy in the modern state, holding on to this challenge. It's, it's a huge challenge. And it takes the ability to kind of la- understand that challenge instead of just plugging your truth away and banging on the heads. You know, watching Beinart and Gordas go back last week was like, this is not a fruitful discussion at this point. You know, there's the, the where you're coming from, your points are so different. Yeah. And um, uh, it's a big, yeah. It's a, yeah. Okay, that's helpful. Okay, just the last question for you today, and, and I'm, I'm yeah. grateful for your time and, and thoughts here and the work you do. What is, what's a piece of Torah that animates, animates the way you walk in the world in this, in this either, the, either the ends you're dreaming of or the process of how you do the work? What's, the, what's a Torah that's really on your lips in this work? Um, a little bit of in the, you know, the, the, pre, the fatalism of predetermined things, Asa Suneli that's just the way it is. Um, the resignation to that versus the belief in free choice. Huh. And um, I think in some ways, I think this is at, at a core of what the conflict's about right now. We have our image of who they are, they have the image of who we are. And it fits very easily into a lot of religious tropes. Um, and we had a nice session the other day with the Palestinian and Israeli, we both talked about all the things we say about each other. No trust, nudniks, it was, it was a very rich, no holds barred Israeli-Palestinian conversation. Um, but do I really believe there's free choice? Can things change? One of the things that I've gained through roots is kind of seeing a young generation of Palestinians that I, that for me were just people who I used to be afraid of, you know, wait, waiting for a hitchhike. And, um, and to really believe that there's free choice, that those things can change, there's agency there, um, is, is, a dramat- is a big challenge to a lot of religious settings of the conflict. And, and, and I think of fatalism that we fall back to just, I think also with age, like it's, it is uh, seeing how the ways are. And that's, to believe that there can be a change in those society in our society um, is, is a big challenge at this point in the conflict, I think, that resignation. And uh, I guess that goes back to Rabbi Nachman, that if there's no despair, <laughs> and um, there's no despair, you know, I think about this, this time right now, the world's falling apart in so many ways. You know, you watch the, the in the States, you know, the, the racism, the, envi- the environmental, everything, everything everybody's working on is just looks worse than ever. And um, so that, to somehow get that release, you know, Arab Shabbat to go and let go somehow is, is a big recharge for me. And it's a big part, I think, of how my Torah and my, my day-to-day work, you know, are, are, are linking. I need that rest, I need that recharge. Um, yeah. Okay, Rav Shaul, wishing you continue uh, bracha and hatzlacha. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to get to come out there someday and uh, sit. <laughs>